though there were there were total iconic characters who would show up at every opening like uh in santa fe there was um rubber lady who would show up all dressed in in rubber tubes and and sit silently and make different poses throughout the opening and no one knew who she was she would just show up and there was Klein the mime and there were you know so that kind of was incentive for for a younger audience but otherwise I hated going to opening and now that's now that's my livelihood I'm Julie Clare and this is the podcast creative at the wheel artists and creative professionals thrive in unconventionality they reinvent themselves and find their way through impossible situations. Here, we get to have deep dive conversations on their adventures. Let's jump in. Welcome to Creative at the Wheel, Georgia Gersh. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I want everybody to uh, get a sense of who you are to start off. You've had such an interesting background. So I'm just going to read your bio, which I don't do straight off so often, uh, but I just want to. So we're going to do that. I also want to put out there right at the beginning, you um, own Magpie uh, Place. Do you call it a gallery or a store? A lot of in- people call it a gallery. I I don't know what it is. It's a, you know, it's a high, kind of high quality gift shop and art gallery um, combined. Got it. And you have that going in Taos, New Mexico. And that's all we're going to let people know to begin with, but let's, let's, let's jump right in. You were born. I'm going to read it in the first person here. I was born uh, and raised, you were born and raised on a hippie commune in the mountains, 20 miles North of Taos, New Mexico. Uh, You say my father was a beatnik from New York and my mom queen of the hippies from the Bay area. My dad was the well-known abstract expressionist, Bill Gersh. He died in 1994, and my sister and I manage his estate. After nearly 20 years away, I currently live in the house that he helped to build in 1968, which was originally the communal house at the Magic Tortoise Commune. My 81-year-old mother, Annie Deegan, lives next door in the house that I was literally born in and is a talented artist and musician herself. So my artistic roots run deep through this amazing place that I call home. My days are filled with making, making the house nice, tending succulents, refinishing furniture, stringing beads, paper crafting. My greatest undertaking and pleasure is curating at Magpie and for private and corporate clients. So welcome, Georgia Gersh. Thank you so much. (laughs) Absolutely. I I just want to dive in. and ask you something about what it was like to grow up in hippie days or hippie dumb or in Taos. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's quite exciting. Um, what was it like to be a kid with somewhat well-known artist parents and living as you were living? I'd love to get a sense of it. Um, well, it was, it was fabulous. I mean, I was born in 75, so I was kind of on the tail end of, um, the movement you know, like 68, 69 was this explosion of, um, people seeking alternative lifestyles and, you know, forming these communes. And I was just kind of born into it. Um, so it was my normal and, um, 
but it was, you know, it, it's very interesting. It would make a fabulous movie. You know, I grew up without any hot running water, electricity. We had kerosene lanterns and an outhouse and heated up water on the wood stove to bathe. And that was like the first eight years of my life. And then, and then we, my dad got indoor plumbing. Um, so that in itself kind of gave me, I think a unique perspective and a, um, I don't know, a, a, a good foundation to, to navigate things and to appreciate, um, you know, what a lot of people take for granted. Um, no kidding. What, what, let just, yeah. What did you garden? Were, were you growing your food? I mean, how, how out there, how far away from the actual town of Taos? So were we were 20 miles up in the mountains. Um, we're right near the Llama foundation, which is still a functioning intentional community oh, Yeah, we're about a mile yeah. and a half down the dirt road. Um, and there was a fair amount of gardening. We had a communal garden. Um, my mom was an incredible gardener and, um, so yeah, there was a fair amount of gardening and living off the land. And, um, I remember we, we got food orders regularly from, from what was then the Taos co-op. Um, and I think that was once a month. So we would go in and pick up this big order and we had a communal larder, which was very cool. This underground storage space for for our communal food. So yeah, I mean, it was pretty self-sustaining. And I can, I can picture it. I I've been to the Llama foundation, uh, that area. Uh, I didn't realize you were so close to yeah, that. We're just uh, right down the hill. And it is, it's a yeah. beautiful landscape. What is your sense in terms of it is a, you know, not everybody has that background. Do you have a sense now in, in your wisdom, <laughs> what, what was normal for you early on that may not be normal for other people in regards to life or even creativity? I mean, what about the creativity you were surrounded by? Like, was your dad really active? Was your mom active? What, what was going on uh, there? Yes, they were both very active. My dad was, was active more publicly. Um, you know, in the early eighties, he started really refocusing on on art and and gaining some recognition locally and continue to spread um so so that was kind of fun i mean that was like the mid 80s in taos were kind of the height of the art scene here there were people flying in from new york to you know scout out artists for their galleries and you know, it, it, there were celebrities living here and it was, that was kind of fun. And it was kind of lost on me because I was, you know, 10 in 1985, but, <laughs> but, and so it was like, oh my God, we have to go to another gallery opening. Um, my Really? Was that oh, what it totally. was like? My sister, Rachel and I were like, oh, do we have to go? <laughs> <laughs> and who's going to be there is, you know, there were, there were total, iconic characters who would show up at every opening like uh in santa fe there was um rubber lady who would show up all dressed in in rubber tubes and and sit silently and make different poses throughout the opening wow. and no one knew who she was she would just show up and there was klein the mime and there were you know so that kind of was incentive for 
for a younger audience, but otherwise I hated going to openings. And now that's, now that's my livelihood. Okay. That's pretty funny. Don't you think? So you didn't become a banker. No. You know, I, I always wonder, no. you know, <laughs> No, I did not. Well, what do you think? Were you, was it ingrained like creativity is, is just a way of life, would you say? Or how, how did Definitely. that affect you being so? I feel like that. I just feel like it was kind of inevitable. Um, it was, you know, all I've ever really wanted to do or been good at. Um, well, I can't say it's all I've been good at because I haven't tried everything, but um you know, it's, it, it comes very easily to me. How did you experience it being good at that? And what did that mean for you? Cause I see that you're doing jewelry. I've seen some of you, I've bought some of your beautiful cards, uh, original, you know, Thank paper you. collage cards and yeah. But how, how do you experience that in terms of I've always been good at it, or that's what I've always been good well, at? Just, what is that? It just feels kind of, I mean, you know, as a, as a creative that it just is kind yeah. of an extension of yourself. It's not, and, and that's not true for all artists. Some artists are filled with angst and it's a big endeavor to, you know, make their art for me. Um, first of all, I'm not, I'm not um, focused on a specific art. I'm, I don't consider what I do fine art. I just kind of play and make things um, every day. And, and it just comes very naturally. It just feels like doing anything else, you know, like walking or brushing your teeth. Um, and then as far as, you know, curating in the store goes and, and for clients that also just, you know, I just, I feel a modest saying, but I have an eye for, for placement and where, where things go. Um, so it just feels very easy. You know, I hear the ease. I was struck by that the first time we talked. Um, it's, it's misleading in a way the ease because what you're doing is quite, in my eyes, quite incredible. Um, I, when I walked into Magpie in its new location, uh, because that was my most recent experience, I was struck by an energy or a light going on mm. in there. I don't know if it, honestly, I don't, I'm not making that up. I was like, geez, what's going on in here? <laughs> I, I don't, I couldn't, yeah. It's got to have something to do with what George is doing, the artwork she's got in here. I don't know how much is the building, but um, there is this ease you have. And so would you say that I'm curious about that angst quality? You, you haven't been an, an, an angst, angsty, angsty artist. You haven't been, who am I through art? And um, I need to find my main, you know, I need to be a writer. I need art. to be a painter. Mm -hmm. huh. not art. I mean, you know, during times that I was also making art, I, I was, you know, feeling that way but but not because I was trying to create something I mean that's something I've I've really tried to accept for myself and and if I'm ever you know when I'm teaching or mentoring kids especially it's like I, I really try not to have a lot of expectations about how especially a visual art project is gonna turn out you know um and, and that doesn't mean I'm all about the process because I really like having something finished, but, um, 
but I, tr I, I rarely sketch things out. Um, you know, I'm usually just kind of inspired by the materials in front of me. I don't, um, you know, I don't try and put a lot of pressure on myself to have things turn out a certain way. And I think that really helps make it less stressful and more, more enjoyable. Did you, did you see stressed out artists when you were growing up or was it pretty loose? Oh, yeah. Cause it sounds pretty oh, loose. No. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh. Even my dad. And I think, you know, my dad was a really serious artist. Like that was his job. Um, you know, he got up early in the morning and like I said, we had all, you know, we had all wood stoves. So in the winter it would be like starting two wood stoves in the house and then walking up the hill to his studio and starting a fire up there. And, you know, it's not an easy lifestyle. It's not like he just went into some sweet, clean studio. His studio was actually an old goat barn. Um, <laughs> so, wow, yeah. so it was pretty rustic. It was an awesome little building. It burned in a, in a forest fire, unfortunately, many years ago. But um, so I could tell that, that a lot of times he was very passionate about it and, and sometimes he loved it and took enjoyment out of it, but it, it definitely was hard work. And, and he was kind of pouring out all of his, um, you know, his inner self and, and everything he knew and translated from the world into his art, which is very different from what I'm doing and from what of you know many of my artists are doing many of my artists make really nice pretty art um not to say that they're not serious or it's not their job but it's not angstful it's kind of like it's uplifting I, I really try and and do create an uplifting space and and incorporate a lot of bright colors and happy imagery because I feel like that's good for me <laughs> Do you think it it is partly informed by that you didn't aspire to be like your dad in terms of how he was as an artist? Um, Not to go too I, deep there, but I don't think it was intentional at all. Um, yeah, you know, I never really, I never really planned on being a visual artist. Um, I think I told you, and initially, I was focused on theater, and. Um, and probably one of the reasons I left that is it was, it was hard. <laughs> it was really mm. hard. And I felt like I don't want to do something that's really hard for the rest of my life. I want to do something that comes easily to me. And I think, um, you know, making things comes easily, but, but, um, arranging things that other people have made comes very easily and I really enjoy it. So that's that. You know, that's something uh, I hear it. I hear a call in this. What I hear is in this lifetime, you partly know you're not interested in chasing hard when you mm -hmm. don't need to, like you, you're inviting ease in. And I was, I was, I remember that quality about you when we first spoke, there is an ease to you and you actually have quite a lot of responsibility in the gallery gift shop uh, magpie, um, I do. theater though. Can you, you do? And, and I saw you there last time uh, with a person with all of their beautiful pottery mm -hmm. cups and wears out. And it was really quite, quite a beautiful, uh, uh, load. Uh, yeah. Since I've been in the pottery world, I feel like I have my own, you know, mm -hmm. 
highly formed opinions. I thought it was really lovely. And you were just very calm. You were with her. Uh, she obviously needed your attention. Uh, this was, you know, she's bringing you to see what you're going to get for the store. But I want to just back up really quickly. What was it about theater that got you uh, originally? I think yeah. it's kind of typical. It was like I was a freshman in high school and I decided to take drama. Actually, I had done, mm -hmm. I had done a little bit of it previously, a little theater um, and just loved that feeling of being on stage, loved, you know, the lights and the floor and the feel of the stage, especially in the curtains. Um, and so, so I ended up, I ended up, I, I think I was pretty good at it. I got cast in the lead role for, for all of my high school productions. And then, um, and then I moved to LA <laughs> to, to pursue it. And it ended up just, it's so cutthroat and competitive and not at all, you know, I think it's that going from, you know, small town, big fish to, to LA, it was like, no, I knew it. I just knew immediately it was not what I wanted to pursue, at least not that way. Um, Tell me what that was like. I didn't know. I didn't have that in my head that you'd done that. You went to LA, you were into theater, you're getting all yeah, these I went to the, prime roles. I, I yeah. went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, which was then in Pasadena. Now it's in Hollywood and um, kind of a strange two-year program. Um, they packed in a lot, you know, a lot of dance and voice and musical theater. And it was, it was great. I learned a lot. Um, but it just made me realize that there were so many people who were more beautiful and more talented and wanted it more than I did. It, I just lost interest. <laughs> How, how long did it take to lose interest? Well, so I was, Months? I was there for did... a year. Um, yeah. And then I continued my, my theater education at UNM in Albuquerque and at Emerson in Boston. Um, but just in a much more low key way and more focused on, um, on theater education and, and working with kids. Wow. And, and then, yeah, go ahead. Well, would you, would you say, uh, that was taking, that was your focus of your creative life at that point, right? Theater. It Did you, was. or were you always still making things with your hands too? I, I was or? a little bit, especially in Boston. Um, I, I was fortunate to get involved with my kids, um, theater program at, at their elementary school in Boston. And they actually, they didn't have anyone to, to lead it. And so I kind of took on that initiative and ended up um, writing and directing a few children's plays. And, um, and also because I'm a control freak and God forbid I would delegate anything, I, uh, I ended up doing all the set design also, you know, and I had the kids help with everything, but it was a really, um, it was a nice way to kind of get back into, into more visual art. Um, so I was able to incorporate all of the, you know, my writing and theater and, and, um, and visual art. So that was great and definitely, you know, stimulated a whole new 
uh, interest in in making visual art and I ended up you know doing a couple of series and having a couple of shows there which was great um so yeah wow. I've always I just have always you know what's got my curiosity is that even when I hear you speak about being on the stage, the appreciation for the context, right? The lights, the oh. stage, the curtains, you said you were so taken. So I see a through line. I'm sure you have too, but then there you are doing the stage design and here you are in Magpie uh, with your current store, uh, loving the biggest ease. I mean, it's, is creating these, I don't know, curating, but also um, how would you say it? Setting up the store. Like, yeah, uh, I really, um, I mean, that's what you said, you know, when you mentioned artists coming in with their work, it's kind of yeah. those, those two pieces of, of, it's so exciting to have these artists just walk in the door with all their work. And I select exactly what I love the most. And then I get to, you know, find the perfect spot for it. So things move around frequently and I'm always creating little vignettes and anytime something sells, it's exciting because I'm making money and the artists are making money, but it's also really exciting because then there's this shift, everything shifts around to accommodate, you know, the space where that thing was. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's the most fun for me. And what is this? What do you think? What do you, would you say this has to do with your creative instincts? Cause you seem like you're, you've got them like you, you know, you knew when you got to LA that, oh, this pro this wasn't going to be your mm -hmm. thing. Like, and then, you know, uh, where to step in and where not to step in. It seems like you're, you don't waffle very much. Is that true? I mean, it sounds like you, well, uh, sometimes I do. Sometimes I, I certainly have to think things through and, and sleep on things and make pro and con lists. But I think you and I had a previous conversation last week about, yeah, kind of following your intuition and, and making decisions based on instinct. And that's really all I've ever done. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I, you know, sometimes I, I do have to think things through a little more and, yeah. um, I'm, I'm really not a linear thinker. Um, so it's hard for me to get from point A to point B without, really kind of zigzagging around. Um, and somehow I feel like along that path, I, I navigate by, by instinct. Yeah. Wow. It's like, um, there's some people that such a, uh, you know, there's a lot of breakdowns around that of finally listening to themselves and, and wanting, you know, feeling the call to be an artist and they haven't been, and it just seems like it's been such a through line. Um, what was it? Did you, what was it like being um, in school, going from theater to theater? Did you end up shifting majors or did you kind of stay with that until you were, you know, what I was did, your college did, life like? Um, play around with different majors when I was at UNM in Albuquerque. I, um, I did fine art for a little while because I, I started getting more interested in visual art um, and really enjoyed that, did a lot of drawing classes. Um, and then I did some creative writing, which I also really enjoyed. I've always kind of written off and on. Um, and, um, and then I went back to theater. So I, I did kind of move around. And then when I went to Emerson in Boston, I, I was focused on um, 
theater and and theater education, performing arts and and theater education, and um, but I never got a degree. <laughs> so I yeah. think I did. I don't know how much schooling I did. Probably at least five years, but um, but I never graduated with a degree, and I and I mostly don't feel feel bad about that. I hear it. Yeah. And it, um, has there ever been work that you really wanted that you weren't able to get because you didn't have no, the degree? Um, no, I mean, I think that was a, a, a big consideration for me in Boston. When I decided to leave Emerson, I kept thinking, is there something that I really want to do? Is there a career that I really want to pursue that I need a degree for? And I just, I couldn't think of anything. Um, you know, I thought, I thought a lot about, um, theater and art therapy and actually applied to Leslie in Boston, which has a great program and got accepted and decided that was not what I wanted to do. Um, Mm. so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, because that's my experience being in New Mexico. No one seems to care <laughs> Well, <laughs> about my, well, my BA. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it's not valuable on some level, but I'm just saying that's true. that, I yeah. Do, so I just want to feel like it was yeah. actually a lot easier for me to find viable, well-paying work in Boston, um, without a degree. I, you know, like I said, I ran a theater program. I ran a couple after school art and theater programs. I taught at an adult ed art program and you know, all that, no one ever asked me whether or not I had a bachelor's in fine art. (laughs) Yeah. Um, here, I don't know, having, I don't, I don't know that having a degree in art means that much. Um, except that it's good to get some, some foundation, but, um, but I don't know. I feel like it is kind of the, the job pool here is, is a little tighter. It's a little harder to, to find opportunities. So, so people end up having to be creative and making them themselves. (laughs) That's, that's what, yeah, I'm curious what you think. Is that particularly what you see happening in Taos or aren't that many what we would call regular jobs. Uh, There really aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of service industry jobs. um, And then um, there's a couple companies, a couple manufacturing companies here that are, that are growing and doing cool things and definitely employing a fair amount of people, but no, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of real jobs here. Although now, you know, a lot of people can work remotely. So yeah, exactly. What would, what do you notice with the, the life of the artists that come in with their wares to put them in your gallery store? Um, What's your sense of the variety of ways of that people are doing their art here. It's such a, um, it's such a wide, yeah. it's such a wide range. Um, you know, there's definitely this undercurrent, which I think has, was kind of probably more predominant when I was growing up. And when my dad was working here of this kind of, um, starving artist or thriving artist, or, you know, these people who were like toiling, um, to make art, Um, and then now there's, there's a huge influx of kind of newer people to Taos. Maybe they've been here 20 years or 15 years, but 
a lot of them are in their second career. So, you know, they retired from whatever they were doing and moved to Taos and now they are focused on making art. And so, you know, it's a kind of leisurely experience. It's not, it's, it's not this like push to, you know, to, to find your niche or something. It's like, they don't have to make a living off of it. And so it's not, um, you know, which is great for me. I have several artists like that at Magpie and it's great because it keeps their work really affordable. Um, they have the, the time to continue to take classes and learn new techniques and get better and better. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I think that's a really interesting aspect of how, how the art scene in Taos has evolved. You know, it is interesting. It's also, there's a lot of attitude about that, oh, right? Yeah. Like there's, I don't hear it in you, mm -mm. Uh, but in New Mexico, it's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, artists that are out there and have been living off their art for many years. It's, I think it's, it can be hard to see such ease financially. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, I have other artists who are, you know, who are single parents who, waitress or clean houses for a living and then you know make art when they can in the middle of the night because they have to because they're artists but they're not making a living off of it um and it's really hard to make a living off of being an artist so um these people who are in their second career don't have to you know it's mm. what do you think do you see a personality trait or a way of being that helps people who are making their living off of art? Do you see what, what seems to grease the wheels a little bit or make things not quite as struggly? Um, um, thinking about all the artists I know and if they have a common yeah. personality trait and I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it goes back to to doing what you love. I mean, isn't there's a saying about that. If you, if you do, do what you love. It's not work. Um, you know, I think there's artists mm. in our community like Jerry Jordan and Ed Sandoval and Jim Wagner and, you know, countless others who are um, successful, really successful and do make a living. And, and it's just, they're very prolific. You know, they work every day, like it's their job because it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. You know, I see you so exposed. Like when you rattled off that list, I think, you know, if you had a party, would it just be oh artists? Gosh. You should have seen my, um, <laughs> I had openings at my other location and we would have, you know, between two and 400 people. And, and what's nice about that is, um, is there are a lot of artists. There's a lot of fabulous, well-known artists and up and coming artists and people who just moved here. But then there's also, you know, the other side of that, which is so important is they're collectors and, um, you know, art appreciators and, and just bringing the community together like that, um, is, is very rewarding. Mm, and would you say you like to set up your house kind of creatively uh, too, or I, I or would not so like much. to, <laughs> I would like to, okay, here's, 
here's the thing. I, I don't, I don't really either. And I've, I, I've, my husband and I, we did pottery shows for years and I was like the display queen, uh-huh. right? I had like the display down. We won like best of That's display, awesome. right? People go, Oh, Oh, your house. Um, your house must be amazing. <laughs> And I was like, oh, geez, no, that is so undone. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you. So I asked you mischievously because it didn't translate for to me. To make yourself feel different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> so, well, because I'm living in my dad's house, I mean, my dad died 26, 27, I don't know, a long time ago, but my sister and yeah. I own his house together. And um, in many ways, we've preserved how it was. I mean, it's not how it was when he died. We've made a lot of improvements and I've moved a lot of my own things in, but, um, there's still a lot of his stuff in there and a lot of his kind of energy. Um, and so I haven't, I haven't done a big overhaul on it since I've, I've been living back in it for about nine years, but I'm, I'm kind of on the brink of being empty nested, uh, my son and his girlfriend have been with me and, and they're going to move out this summer. And so I do, every time I walk into my living room now, I kind of envision, you know, I mean, really my vision is to take everything out of the house <laughs> and start totally blank. Well, what is that about? Cause one of my questions was, how do you, for myself, for you is how do you, is there an effort needed to claim your own voice and space when you've had, you know, pretty well-known your, your dad was mainly known for his, his expressionism was it in paint mm-hmm. and writing mm-hmm. or is it? Yeah. Both. Uh, he did a lot. He did mostly, he was known for his, yeah, his big acrylic paintings on canvas, but he also, he was very good at, at a lot of different mediums. So he did a fair amount of sculpture and assemblage and, works on paper, everything from watercolor to monotypes. And, um, but he was, yeah, he was best known for his big, bright canvases. Got it. And how, how important do you think, do you imagine it would be for him that things were kept in the oh, space almost historically? Yeah. Cause I get it. Not knowing no. him at all. I get this kind of renegade quality oh, that no, he's, he wouldn't care. <laughs> but he we, you know, care. he died yeah. when I was 19 and my sister was 23. And so that was kind of our, you know, we still, we have tons and tons of his stuff. I still have a lot of his hats and, um, you know, that was kind of our means of hanging on to him. Sure. And what do you, did you ever feel, or do you ever feel like you are still wanting more room to be who you are, or do you feel like that was freely given? Like you were not in the shadows. I've never felt like I was in the shadows. If anything, I was definitely, um, inspired by, you know, by him and, and my mom and my, you know, my family in general, but no, I've never felt that way. Did you have much sense of competition growing up? Cause you, you seem very generous and open Mm -hmm and inclusive, uh, naturally of artists and the work. I don't hear you seething at the side that your pottery isn't selling as much as other people's pottery. I know you're not doing pottery, but I mean, you know what I mean? There's not that quality about you of a frustrated artist. It seems like, um, that's the ease in your life, your relationship to art and other people doing art. That's my I sense. I try to really maintain that. I mean, it's, it, sometimes it can be a struggle in Taos, you know, you see other, other galleries that are selling 10 times as much as you are, or, 
have artists that you wish you were carrying or, you know, things like that. But, um, but mostly, you know, I, I try not to, to give into those kind of feelings. And I also mostly try not to, um, talk poorly about other people's work. Um, you know, I hear a lot of that, you know, negativity about, you know, people's art and this is bad art and this art, you know, and it, you know, there definitely are some bad artists, but <laughs> I try, I try not to <laughs> pay any attention to it. I feel really confident that, you know, what I'm doing is, is working and, you know, and continually evolving and getting better. So, um, but Taos is definitely, you know, can be very competitive as far as galleries go. Um, what I've noticed a lot in the last few years is how um, cooperative the galleries have been about sending, you know, sending clients back and forth and promoting other gallery shows. And it's, it's been really nice to, to be a part of that community where it doesn't really feel competitive even though it is. <laughs> yeah. How's it, I mean, how's it been feeling to, to, you know, we're a year out already in COVID um, your stores, your place is open, you know, is that, do you see a, a big change in mood yet or is it too soon to know what's going on or um, in the community or with customers? Yeah, I guess or? in the pandemic, in the larger world. And then as a community, is there, is there anything you notice? I notice I, I've there... been noticing lately that we're talking about it less. Um, you know, uh -huh. the first year, first yep. 10 months, it was like all everybody talked about because it was so impactful and, you know, it just, it, I think it was what was on everyone's minds. And then there was a couple of months where all, all anyone talked about was the vaccine. And now I find it's kind of simmer down you know people come in and we'll talk yeah. about the weather or we'll talk about whatever but it's um you know I'll have I'll have hour-long visits with clients and talk about art and COVID will never come up so that's kind of nice <laughs> that is kind of nice do you and do you have are you a person who lives with dreams like you have things oh I want to be able to do that or are you much more um day, you know, day by day, uh, kind of, how can I live today? Um, I'm just curious about, no, I, for you. I, I feel like I have a lot of, of really good ideas, um, and, and kind of abstract goals or, or solid goals. Um, you know, one of them is to expand magpie and, and open a couple of other locations, um, around the Southwest. Um, but you know, and one is to travel. I've never really traveled much. So, so I have things that I'd like to do, but I, same mm -hmm. thing. I kind of feel like if I don't do them, it's okay. You know, mm -hmm. if I don't have the financial means or the energy or whatever to, you know, do these bigger things, then that's okay. But, but certainly I, I feel stagnant if I don't, um, you know, if things don't change regularly. So that's one nice thing about Magpie is that, you know, it's always, the space is always going to change. What, and what would you say? I think I know with my life, people sometimes go, um, you know, oh, you do these intuitive painting experiences and you, it's kind of like the dream job. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I go, there's so much 
that, I mean, it's a great, it's great work, but there's so much that you don't see that one has to do to keep these things going. What's your sense? Do you have people coming in kind of projecting maybe onto you that you've got a bit of a dream job? Do you hear that? Because there's so many tourists that come through Taos. No, I don't. Um, I, uh-huh. I haven't felt like that. Um, you know, I've, I've said that <laughs> I've, I've, have you, Oh yeah. Georgia. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've said that to, to people who come in a lot with, if that comes up in conversation, um, you know, about them being on vacation or being retired, it's like, this is pretty much as close as I can get to that while still working. It's like pretty fantasy, you know, to be playing around with pretty things all day and making money and meeting nice people is, is pretty great. (laughs) You know, it's all, it's all I can imagine doing. I can't imagine, you know, sitting at a computer or manufacturing whatever, you know, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's my ideal job for sure. Pretty cool uh, to hear you say it. I don't know why <laughs> there's so much, there's so much not enoughness. Yeah. You well, know, I with... feel very grateful. I recognize that a lot of people yeah. aren't in a position to do that. You know, I inherited my house. I don't have rent or a mortgage. I, you know, financially I'm in a position where I can do this and, and not be totally stressed. Um, so yeah. it's a luxury. It's a luxury. And you, your, way of being has, has tuned or continues to modulate towards a certain simplicity. You know, you could be needing a 10,000 square foot house, yeah. you know, but you're not, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I mean, if you're, not. people could be in your situation and, and be experiencing not enough, which would be crazy, but I'm just saying that, yeah, I get it. Uh, it's a luxury and a lot of people don't have it. And, um, but I also hear a mindset that is there is a lot of yes to you. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I hear a lot of yes or um, yeah. Like, Hey, this is the pace I want to live at. It feels like this is, I'm surrounded and you said super easy to curate. Right. And it's easy for you to make work. I, I want to jump over really quickly just cause I have no idea what you do with uh, other collections that aren't magpie. Cause I know you curate for other people sometimes, What's that like for you? Is that fun or is that oh, more really like a straight fun. job? Or? Yeah, it's oh, fun because it it's, it's usually so different from Magpie. So I'll have clients, you know, especially now there's such a huge influx of people moving to the area and they'll come and they'll, you know, have 40 pieces of art in their garage or their guest room and they just have no idea how to, you know, where to start hanging um, and where to put things. And um so that's something I really enjoy is, is helping. Where do they get the artwork? Well, usually they move with it. You know, if people are retiring oh, here from Houston, yeah. um, many times they've been collectors. And of course I'm happy to, you know, happy to help them acquire pieces from, from Magpie and from other galleries in town or in Santa Fe or wherever. But um, I like working with, with uh, clients collections, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. So that's okay. Now, yeah. if, if I was going to curate something, I would seriously have you come in because of that. <laughs> well, you what, can, what your you place can. looks like <laughs> when you're uh, ready, no, you let me know. <laughs> now I just stick the last painting I made up in the wall in the living room. Like I said, my display is definitely a little haphazard, uh, but I, no, I seriously though, if I was wanting to 
put together that. Um, that's kind of neat that you it's, have this. It's uh, fun. It gives me, I mean, I haven't done yeah. a lot of it over COVID, but I'm, I'm excited to get back into it this summer. Um, you know, it kind of gives, yeah, gives me a break from the store, you know, allows me to connect with people in the community, especially people who are new here. I've met some really nice people through, through doing that. Um, how do you, how do they find out about you? How do um, they know that's what you do? I, I advertise that. Cool. Um, either on my website or in the local newspaper or word of mouth at this point. Um, hey, does that work for you? The newspaper, the print, oh, yeah. the print. Definitely. Really? Yeah. The Taos news has really done a lot for me. I mean, not only through advertising, which I've, which I've done, but, um, they have a, you know, an arts and entertainment section here and it's just, they've, they've been so great about really, um, you know, giving a lot of attention to what I'm doing and what everyone else is doing in town. And it's really. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Uh, do you have many people that knock on your door wanting, um, to get in to your place and you're not at all interested? I mean, is that a common artists? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have, that's my least favorite part of the job (laughs) is is telling people that I'm full or I'm, you know, I'm not looking for new artists and I've, and I've tried to, you know, I, I kind of was learning as I went. And so, um, I didn't really know how to handle that the first couple of years. And now I've figured out, um, first of all, I just tell them, look, I'm, I'm not looking for new artists, but I'm always happy to look and, and see what you're doing. You know, I think it's validating for people to not just get totally rejected and turned away, but to actually have someone say, Hey, you know, let me, let me see if it would be a fit for one of my friends galleries, or let me, you know, look and see what you're doing. So, so yeah, I do that probably three times a week. Um, and if they're local and it's something that I totally fall in love with, then I consider making room for it. Um, if they're not local, then I have an easy out and I just say, I'm sorry, I only represent Taos artists. Um, but like this really great guy came in from Colorado last week and he had these very cool airplane assemblages. And so hmm. he brought them in and we talked about different places he could go and, and show them to in town and you know, I really liked them, but it's not something I have room for. And, um, and he contacted me later and said, Hey, I, you know, thanks for being so nice. And, um, since you like my work, would you be willing to do a trade for your personal collection? And I said, sure. So he came in and, and brought in this totally cool, you know, re reclaimed object plane airplane assemblage. And, um, and I did a trade. <laughs> so that was nice. You know, I just, that is such a good story. We, we have to finish today's conversation yeah. just a sec, but that, what a beautiful story. And I, this is what you just spoke right there is part of why I, I think I love New Mexico. I think the New Mexico I've lived in anyway, is that you are still part of this. I don't know how you want to say it but like magic can happen between people definitely even if you're not buying something like these doors open and that's how santa fe was for me years ago um and still can be it's just i don't live directly in santa fe now and so when i hear you speak it kind of reminds me of how important that is to me that that personal the personal flavor really there is, um, yeah. 
Oh, Georgia. Uh, well, I hope everybody has a chance to, everybody, I hope everybody has a chance to come by MacFight, but where, where can we, what's, what's your actual website address so you can send them there and, and anything else you want, we can put in the liner um, notes. MagpieTouse.com. MagpieTouse.com. Beautiful. And um, they can reach you through the website. Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm, I'm assuming you don't buy art on the website because things move there so are, fast. There or? are, there uh, are, yeah, there is a shop on the website. It's not comprehensive because I do have so much, but right. um, but there is a shop on there. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Julie. And uh, till next time. Okay. Thanks again. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, that's today's podcast of Creative at the Wheel. Before we go, I want to thank you for listening, and I invite you to tune in again. You can listen to more of these interviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Ghana, or my website. You can also learn more about my one-on-one coaching for creatives on my website, paintbiglivebig.com.